This is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio is brought to you in part by TripInsurance.com. Travel insurance done right by the people who know travel insurance. Get a quote today at TripInsurance.com. Broadcasting from the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio, a review of Disney Dream today. Also, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News, uh, about to head down to Miami in a couple of days for two sailings. We're going to do one on MSC's Maravilla, a ship that's new to Miami, and then going to check out Norwegian Encore. So uh, excited to do a four-night and then a three-night and tell you all about it. Uh, don't forget Cruise Radio News, our daily quick hits of the news. You can find that Monday through Friday. Just listen where you listen to your favorite podcast. Just search Cruise Radio News. All right, Sherry Laskin is here with Cruise News. Hey, Sherry. Hey, Doug. MSC Cruises has delayed the grand opening of their private island again. That's right. And despite the fact that several ships were ready to visit Ocean Key, which is MSC's new private island, uh, for this coming weekend, all visits have been canceled. So the ships affected by the cancellation include MSC Seaside, Maravilla, and Armonia. A letter was sent out to travel agents to inform their clients of the cancellation news, but... If you booked on your own, you didn't learn of the Ocean Key cancellation until you boarded your ship earlier this week. MSC said guests would be compensated with a $100 per stateroom shipboard credit. They will also offer passengers a discount on a future cruise equal to 20% of the base cruise fare for their current cruise. And no word yet as to when the highly anticipated Bahamas destination will be able to welcome cruisers. We will see. Carnival Cruise Line gives you a new option to finance your cruise. Yeah, this is very interesting. A lot of um, ways to look at this. So Carnival Cruise has partnered with the financing company called Uplift to give loans to cruisers who simply would otherwise not have the funds to take a cruise. So with a loan from Uplift, cruisers can make low monthly payments that extend for up to 24 months. This program is available through any travel consultant on Carnival.com online or through Carnival's call centers. But basically, if you're approved for the loan, you can take your cruise and then pay it back in installments over the course of, like I mentioned, 12 to 24 months. But it depends on the terms of the loan. So there are some rules that you have to follow and pay attention when you read the fine print. You must be 18 years old and a U.S. citizen. Uplift, and here's the zinger, Uplift may charge up to 35.99% for their interest (laughs) rates. Eligibility is not guaranteed, meaning you can pay, I think, your uh, loan, you know, the loan application fee and still not get qualified. And monthly payment and rate is based on your credit and other factors. So uh, as a contrast, uh, remember that Carnival also has their easy pay plan. So with this one, you make the full deposit, like as you were booking a cruise, and then you pay off the cruise within four to five months at a set rate. So, you know, you just divide it into whatever's remaining into four or five payments, and then you don't pay any exorbitant interest rates. The payments, the set payments are automatically deducted from your bank account, so you don't have to worry about being late. And your cruise is paid off before you set foot on the ship, so you don't have to keep paying for a cruise that you're not even on board to enjoy. So just a word of advice before you plunk down your money or sign any loan papers for Uplift, 
be sure to read the fine print. Paying up to 35% interest may not be in your best interest, and you may still end up paying for that cruise while you're on your next cruise. So just be careful. And this might be the, you know, the only way that some people can take a cruise. It just depends. All I have to say is that if your travel agent is suggesting this to you, you should probably consider another travel agent because 36% APR, that's like predatory lending. Oh, it is. It definitely is. So yeah, you know, it's, I agree with you. You know, if someone suggests that you go that route, I mean, I haven't called Carnival to see if, if the uh, reservationists offer that as an option, and they could be doing that too. They have the Truth in Lending Act that I believe came out like in the 60s where they have to disclose information. Read yeah. that with a fine tooth comb before you sign anything and agree to anything. All right. A celebrity cruise ship ran aground last week. What happened here? Yeah. So earlier this week, Celebrity Expedition was cruising in the Galapagos Islands when the ship ran aground with 46 passengers on board. No injuries. Everyone was safely evacuated to the Celebrity Flora, which just happened to be in the area. Celebrities said they will give guests a 100% refund for the sailing and a full credit for a future celebrity cruise. And so far, luckily, no environmental damage has been reported. And on a somber note here, some sad news both out of the Royal Caribbean and Carnival Cruise Line camp. Yeah, this is sad. Um, Edward Stephan, the founder and longtime president and vice chairman of the board for Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, just passed away last week at the age of 87. In 1969, he founded Royal Caribbean Cruise Line, if you can believe that. And in 1970, he launched the Song of Norway, one of the first, if not the first ship built exclusively to cruise only in warm water, not like New York to Bermuda, but actually out of Florida to the Caribbean. He also, this is interesting, I didn't realize this, he came up with the design for what became Royal Caribbean's iconic ship profile, the Round Viking Crown Lounge. Hmm. So he was a true cruise pioneer and visionary. I mean, look, look what, you know, this is amazing. So he will be missed. And then over at Carnival, one of their most senior captains just passed away. Um, Captain Antonio Marchetti had retired in 2017 after many, many years of service. Passengers loved to poke fun at him for his very thick Italian accent, and he was loved by crew members also. So prior to serving as captain aboard Carnival Magic, Marchetti was captain aboard many Carnival Cruise Line ships, including the Dream, the Freedom, the Elation, and the Spirit. So they will be missed by passengers and crew alike. Yeah, I believe he was there for just at or under 30 years with Carnival. That's yeah, amazing. Just, yeah, you hate to hear stories like that. Listener question now. This one comes from David. Email your listener questions to Doug at cruiseradio.net. David asks, will cruise lines refund excursions because of rain? Well, David, generally, no. In, in fact, cruise lines are now including disclaimers on their shore excursion booklets, as well as printing it on the tickets uh, that the excursion will go rain or shine. You know, I just noticed that the other, uh, my last cruise actually, um, up in Alaska, because, you know, it does rain here a lot. And um, it was in the brochure under the description for each uh, shore excursion. So they're getting um, to be, you know, pretty firm about that. And the only reason you'll get a refund is if you are ill or if the ship just can't make it into the port or tender passengers ashore. But now cruise lines do allow cancellation, usually up until 24 hours before the day 
of the shore excursion, um, which really means that if you want to be careful and make sure you get your refund, um, if you're, say, for example, your morning shore excursion is planned for Friday, you should really cancel Wednesday night before the shore excursion desk closes. Or if they have a drop box, put it in there before you go to sleep. Otherwise, if you wait until the day before your booked excursion, which you think in your head, well, it's 24 hours, but it's actually not, you will exceed the 24-hour cancellation window and most likely not get your money back. And I have, I have found some are now stretching that to 48 hours. So just be really careful, if you, especially if you pre-book online before your cruise, or if you do it the first day when you board, um, take note of it. And if there's any thought that you might cancel, be sure and um, back it up one extra day, if at all possible, just so that you don't have to stand there as I have before and say, well, it's only 24 hours, but it was really like, um, you know, 19 or 20. So I didn't get a refund. Very good. We've been talking with Sherry Laskin from the newly revamped and redesigned cruisemaven.com. Thank you, Sherry. Oh, thank you. And thanks, Doug. If you have an Amazon Alexa-enabled device, ask her to enable the Cruise Radio News Skill so you can get daily updates anytime. Straight from Cruise Radio. When is your next cruise? Where are you going? And what are you going to do once you get there? Market-leading specialist CruisingExcursions.com offers savings up to 60% offshore excursions versus cruise line prices. Whether it's private, shared, scenic, historic, or family tours, CruisingExcursions.com has up to 12,000 excursions in over 700 ports worldwide. You can even bundle your excursions for more savings. Make your next vacation affordable and unforgettable by visiting cruisingexcursions.com. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. Check out our blog, the video page, and interact at cruiseradio.net. Nick just returned from a three-night cruise aboard Disney Cruise Line's Disney Dream. It went to their private island, Castaway Cay, in Nassau, Bahamas. He joins us on the line. How you doing, Nick? Doing good, Doug. Thanks for having me on. So you're down in the Tampa area. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this three-nighter on Disney Dream? Oh, well, we actually booked this cruise about a year and a half ago. Um, My brother, who lives up north, Um, wanted to come down to visit and also spend some time over at Disney. And we had the idea to do a three-day Disney cruise and then pair it with a little park time. Very nice. So you make your way from Tampa over to Port Canaveral. How was the embarkation process aboard Disney Dream? Oh, it went really smoothly. We uh, drove over there since it's only about a two-hour drive. And uh, when we approached uh, the Disney Pier at Port Canaveral, we actually had to go through a little security check with our um, car. We all had to show our ID. And then they directed us to a spot where we dropped all of our luggage off. And from there, we physically parked the car 
and then collected our carry-ons and went through into the terminal. You mentioned you had a security check. Uh, the other terminals there for like Carnival or Royal Caribbean, I've never experienced that before. Have you? No, it was it was purely a Disney thing, I think. So mm. I think they do it just to ease flow and because people are bringing so much stuff if they have kids. Yeah. Um, but it was pretty smooth. It didn't take too much time. And uh, it saved us lugging all the luggage down from like the third level of the parking garage. So and then from curb to ship, how long? I would say about 20 minutes. Um, it was our first time on Disney, so we didn't have mm-hmm. any priority access or anything like that. But we did arrive at our port arrival time, which was between 11.45 and 12 p.m. And we were right in that window, and they got us on the ship right after we got our key cards. What are your thoughts, since you're a first-time Disney cruiser, of when you're boarding in their announcing every family's name do you think that's a cool thing or kind of something that holds the line up it, it definitely holds the line up a little bit they and we got up to the gangway within 20 minutes from parking the car but we did encounter a little bit of a line getting onto the ship because they have to announce each family getting on um, they have two officers doing it just to help with the flow um, and basically you give them your key card, they ask you how to pronounce your name and they announce your family when it's your turn to come on. So it's kind of cool. It's a little cheesy though. So, but I guess that's what makes Disney a little different. Yeah. Too bad they don't have a door where like you can opt out of taking the pictures when you're boarding the ship, like opt out of the name calling to get on board quicker, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So you make your way on board Disney dream. What were your first impressions of the ship since this was your first Disney cruise? Yeah, first Disney cruise, and um, the atrium when you walked in, that's where you embarked the ship, was a a couple levels high, so it wasn't like a grand atrium like you see on some of the older ships or on some carnival ships. It actually kind of reminded me of that main section of a Norwegian breakaway class ship. Like, it's just a couple levels high, has a nice chandelier, and the first thing you see when you get there is a big statue of Mickey. So, you know, you're definitely on a Disney cruise. <laughs> you make your way to your stateroom. What kind of stateroom did you book and what did you think of it? So we had a Category 4E Deluxe Family Ocean View stateroom with oversized veranda. That's what they build it as. And um, we walked into it. And the first thing we noticed was how the bed was set up. So... On other cruise lines that we've been on, they usually have the two beds that can convert into the one big one, and they're usually on like metal stands or whatnot. Disney, though, it's on an actual bed platform, and it's nice and high, so you can put luggage and anything underneath, Um, but it looked more like a bed that you would see in a hotel room. Mm Um, and they definitely designed the staterooms for families. So it had a couch, uh, that I guess could convert into a bed as well as a curtain that you could draw to kind of separate the room into two parts. And then of course you have the Disney bathroom. So you, one part has the toilet and a sink and the other bathroom has a sink and a tub shower combo. You mentioned oversized veranda. Uh, compared to the other balconies on this ship, how big is an oversized veranda? Yeah, so you walked out and it had two regular chairs that you would get on any balcony stateroom. And then it had two, I would call them like half lounge chairs. Mm-hmm. Like They could go back, but it wasn't like the full foot rest area, but you could definitely kick up if you wanted to. Um, but it definitely was at least, I would say 10 feet from the door to the railing. So it was a nice, 
um, distance. Let's talk about dining on Disney Dream. Of course, Disney offers rotational dining, so you're basically going between three different restaurants. What three restaurants are on Disney Dream, and how was your experience? Yep, so we had Animator's Palette, Enchanted Garden, and Royal Palace, and that's the order that we went in. And when I first got on the ship, I was wondering, like, how do you know where you're going first? But there is a little thing on your key card that, for us, it said A-E-R. Mm-hmm. So that means animators, enchanted royal. That's kind of your rotation. Um, and it was pretty neat. Uh, it was the first time in a long time that I've actually had the same wait staff because the wait staff follows you around. And I'm so used to picking my time dining or doing Norwegian's freestyle program that I've never, I can't even tell you the last time I had uh, the same wait staff for the entire cruise. So it kind of was a throwback for me to the good old times. Um, but each of the three restaurants were so different in terms of how they were themed, and they were themed up like to the T. Um, Animator's Palette was probably my favorite just because of the interactive show that they had going on during the during the meal. So they actually had Crush the Turtle from Finding Nemo going around through all the uh, the perimeter of the restaurant and actually engaging with guests and kids. Um, so I guess there's someone somewhere pretending to be crushed, like in a back room, because uh, they made it very personal. Um, we unfortunately weren't against the wall. We were kind of in a middle table, but um, we still had a great experience. And the food was great in all three restaurants. Only thing I would mention is the portions are definitely a little bit on the smaller side. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you're hungry, just order up a couple things um, or else you might leave feeling a little hungry. Does each restaurant have a menu specific to like Animator's Palette or Enchanted Garden? Yeah. So each of the three restaurants has a different menu, but the menu stay the same. So I guess if you were on a longer cruise and you mm-hmm. repeat it back to, say, Animator's Palette, it would be the same menu. Um, and then the only thing I can remember that was standard across all of them was if you wanted like the Mickey Mouse shaped ice cream for dessert, that was standard across the board. And how was the buffet area cabanas? Yeah. So we went to cabanas the first day when we got on to go get some lunch and it was packed. Um, and we got on the ship pretty early. I thought around 1145 and we had a really hard time finding a seat, um, it actually just rains when we got to Port Canaveral. So there was a couple seats still left in the outside and we just sat out there. Someone came over and wiped our table down and we took turns going to get some food. Um, the one thing I noticed though was the seafood display that Disney has. And that was consistent every day. They had stone crab claws, they had oysters, they had clams, stuff that you don't just see given away on a buffet, typically on uh, different cruise lines. Um, other than that, pretty good selection. I would say, you know, standard buffet fare. And I'm definitely not a buffet person. So um, actually, a little tip for breakfast, they do open one of the restaurants, the main restaurants for breakfast. And it's not a menu. It's still a small buffet, but it's way less crowded. Perfect. And what kind of poolside eateries does Disney Dream have? Yeah, so they have, um, it's all off to the one side, and they have something called Toe Master's Grill over there. 
And they serve up burgers, uh, hot dogs, pizzas, uh, salads, um, you know, the stuff that you get typically if you're poolside. And I thought that was pretty good. Um, the chicken tenders were really good and the burgers were decent. So uh, definitely some good lunchtime food if you didn't want to make your way into the buffet. How was the entertainment on this three night cruise? The entertainment was good, definitely Disney focused. Um, we were on a Halloween themed cruise, so a lot of the entertainment was Halloween themed. Um, the main production shows were, I guess, the same as any other Disney dream sailing. So we had three Disney shows. One of them was Beauty and the Beast, which was it was a little long. I'll preface it with that since it was the full Beauty and the Beast production, mm -hmm. but it was definitely really entertaining. Um, the one thing that I liked about Disney was before you get into that main theater, they have popcorn and sodas and drinks on either side of the theater. So you can kind of get your snacks and stuff ready, kind of like a movie theater, and then go into the main show. Um, in terms of adult entertainment, uh, we did venture down to the adults only area, which is kind of all in one big part of the ship and they have a few venues down there the one where i found myself in the most was pub 687 and uh, we went down there because they were showing some college football games and i actually sampled some of the food that they have down there too and you, for an extra charge you can buy like wings or pretzels like uh, sports bar type food and it was really good you were mentioning in the theater that there were drinks and popcorn as you were making your way in. Um, on Disney, the drink, like the sodas, are included in the price of the cruise. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Sodas are included. And they do have some soda stations that are set up in the mm -hmm. buffet in cabanas as well as on the pool deck. So there is um, plenty of soda to be had. Uh, and they use the same cups that are at the parks, which I like too, because they're just a little bit bigger yeah. um, than those little tiny small cups that you usually get on cruise ships. How was the ship on sea days as far as crowds and congestion? Yep. So the main pool area uh, was definitely the place to be, um, I guess, as in every other cruise. But we didn't have a sea day, but we did stop in Nassau, and I don't think many people really got off the ship. Um, I think a lot of people treated that as their sea day. So the main pool area, uh, they have two pools. One is maybe only two feet deep or so. It's meant more for kids that aren't in swim diapers. And then they have a deeper pool, but both pools were 100% occupied by kids. Uh, they were showing Disney movies the entire time on the big screen out there. And one cool thing about the Disney pool deck is when they do some entertainment out there, like the sail away party, this, the pools actually both have retractable covers that come mm -hmm. over, and it makes it a whole big teak deck. Oh, wow. So they, they can utilize the space really well, especially for when they did the pirate night up there. Uh, they have like a pirate party on the second night, and everyone's up there for fireworks. So just to make a lot more space, they retract the tops of the pools. So it's basically flooring. The adults-only pools on Disney Dream, if you were to go into one of these adults-only areas, um, would you be completely separated from the children? Oh, yeah. It would be a whole separate cruise. I was actually saying to my wife when we were on um if we ever did one of these again we would definitely you know stick to these adult areas we were with my brother's kids so the most of the time we were out in the main pool but 
the adult only area was really quiet. Um, there was plenty of seats. Hardly anyone was really in there. And the one thing about Disney, I was looking for a bar like on the main part of the on the pool deck and there is none in the family area. They do have servers that come around, but there's no physical pool bar. You actually have to go into the adults only areas to find that. Um, so like right by the funnel, they have an adults only pool bar. And then um, in the cove area, they have an adults only pool bar, but the pools were relaxing, quiet, and uh, the really interesting pool that they had was something called Satellite Falls Pool in the very front of the ship. And it's under one of those GPS satellites that uh, the ships use. And it had waterfalls, and it was just a very relaxing pool. The ports of call on this sailing were their private island Castaway and Nassau, Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So how were your port days? Uh, port days were good. Yep, first stop was Nassau, and... Um, I've been to Nassau a million times. Uh, I was actually there for a work congress uh, last year for a whole week. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I've had plenty of Nassau exposure. But the one thing I've never done there was go to the brewery that they have, the Pirate Republic. So my wife and I got off the ship and just headed that way to have a drink or two. Um, and my brother requested I bring him back a six-pack on board Uh, which you are allowed to do on Disney at every um, embarkation port and port of call. You can bring either a six pack per person or a bottle of wine at no charge back to your stateroom, or you can bring it uh, throughout the ship. Um, So we did that. And that's kind of all we did in Nassau. Castaway K was Disney's private island. Uh, My wife and I decided to be a little active that day, so we signed up for the 5K. Mm -hmm. And um, it's definitely an early wake-up call. It was 8 a.m. that we had to meet in a public area. They brought us off the ship, and we had probably about a 20-minute walk to the start line that we walked in a big group to. And then uh, we ran the 5K, which is it's pretty cool. You run through, um, they have this trail by their, they have a runway on that island, and off the runway is a big kind of nature trail. So you run around that twice, and then you run to their adult beach, and then you run back to the start line. So it was a pretty cool run, and you get a little Castaway K medal um, when you're finished. Um, we made our way back to the ship just to quickly change. And then we met my brother at the family beach, uh, that they have there, um, which was right by the conked out bar. That's what I remember being right there. Um, plenty of chairs, plenty of umbrellas. So, and they don't charge you anything for umbrellas, which is nice. Um, so you have a lot of shade. The snorkeling is also free. So you just have to swim out to it, and it's a really long swim. So you definitely have to be a strong swimmer because you can only touch ground for a very small period of time before you are completely underwater. Um, But there's some cool stuff that Disney has sunk under there that you can uh, go check out. And then the the end of the day, we went to a place called Serenity Bay, which is the adult-only area. Uh, We went there when my brother took the kids back to the ship. And that was unbelievable. It, the water was crystal clear. Um, you could just pull your lounge chair right into the water. They had servers out there making sure everyone was happy. It was really quiet and definitely the place to hang out if you want a quieter experience. We were 
chatting before the interview, weren't you saying that there's a ride vehicle from 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea off the coast? Yeah, they, they actually sunk uh, one of the old ride vehicles from a Disney ride that used to be in Walt Disney World out there. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the one thing, and I'm sure they have it somewhere, was like a snorkeling map, and I didn't get one, so I didn't realize how far away the ride vehicle was. So I didn't actually make it out there. I had to turn around and come back because I was getting just exhausted from swimming. Yeah, I hear you. So you make your way back to Port Canaveral. How was disembarkation? Uh, disembarkation was really easy. Um, Disney does something a little bit different. So if you have the early dining time, which we had, which is we had the 530 dining time, they want you to have breakfast at some like ungodly hour of the morning. I think it was like between 530 and 6 a.m. And I did not want to partake in that. And then for immediately from there, they want you to disembark the ship. So they try to disembark the ship in two waves, the first breakfast wave and the second breakfast wave. So they're not really calling numbers or anything like that, like on different other cruise lines. Um, what we did was we woke up around 7.30 or so. I went up to get a quick coffee at the buffet. And surprisingly, the buffet area was empty. Because I think a lot of the people go to their restaurant that the server directs you to the night before. So the night before you disembark, your server will tell you, come to this restaurant tomorrow at a certain time for your breakfast, and then we'll escort you off the ship. They don't tell you that Cabanas is actually still open. So <laughs> I, that's their way of like getting people off, I think, right. pretty easy. But it took about 20 minutes from the time we decided, okay, we just it's time for us to leave, and we just uh, scanned out. And the longest wait was actually uh, right there in customs. They had all of the baggage already ready. So we just picked up our bags and went through customs. And we're back in our car uh, pretty quickly. So not too bad. Since this was your first time cruising Disney Cruise Line, do you have any first time tips to offer? Yeah, so a couple first time tips. Um, And the one thing that Disney does a little different is they provide two cell phones basically in each cabin. So you can bring them throughout the ship. They work on the island. Uh, They can text. They can call. So it's a good way to keep in touch with um, if you are sailing with somebody else or if your kids are at the kids club, the kids club can actually text your phone. So you don't have to carry around any sort of pager or anything like that. Um, you have the, they call them wave phones. Just be sure to put them back in the room when you're done your cruise. Or they'll char- I think it's at like $250 per phone lost. Um, other than that, I mean, Disney is definitely more expensive for sure than some of the other cruise lines. But you, I think you get what you pay for in terms of the entertainment that they deliver And I think I figured out Disney methodology and pricing. They're basically pricing the cruise the same way as they would price a higher end resort at Walt Disney World. So you can expect to pay, you know, six hundred so dollars a night at um, Grand Floridian plus your food and drink that you consume. And that's basically what they're charging you for a regular room on a Disney cruise per day. Um, They keep the kids entertained. 100%. So if that's your goal, uh, the kids will absolutely love it. And if you're an adult and you're not into Disney, I would say Disney Cruise Line's probably not for you. But um, if you like Disney, there's plenty of adults areas to seclude yourself to. But what if you're an adult and you like to gamble? 
Uh, if you like to gamble, you will find that the casino has been converted into the kids' area. <laughs> so Disney has a very uh, expanded kids' zone mm-hmm. that adults actually aren't even allowed into after embarkation day. So um, that's part of the whole kids' entertainment factor. What was the biggest highlight of this cruise for you? Biggest highlight, definitely Castaway K. Um, I love Cruise Line Private Islands. I just think they're just great beach days. And Castaway K did not disappoint. Um, Beautiful beaches, plenty of room to spread out. And I loved the fact that they had plenty of umbrellas that were free. So you could definitely get some shade or sun, whatever you preferred. In closing, final thoughts of Disney Dream. I would definitely go back uh, to another Disney cruise. I thought three days was definitely plenty for my first first time on a Disney cruise ship. Um, if you want that Disney magic, Disney entertainment, then Disney Dream is definitely right for you. All right. We've been talking with Nick about his three-night cruise aboard Disney Dream. Nick, thanks for coming on, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me, Doug. All right, Dougie. Here we go for uh, the new uh, cruise radio stuff here for you. <clears throat> Cruise Radio is produced weekly in Jacksonville, Florida. For partnership opportunities, email Doug at cruiseradio.net. Hear Cruise Radio on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, the Stitcher Radio Network, Google Play, or at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.